0: For me, it's something that we struggle with amongst our people, and I mean really all people. Diabetes, alcoholism, I was about 11, 12 years old when I first started getting into drugs and alcohol. Overusing it, very, you know, becoming addicted to it, And but at the same time, you know, having my brothers and having my family, you know, having both of my parents in my life was something that was very inf- influential for me. Um, to kind of stay on my path. But another thing that also helped me was across and what I knew about it, that it was more than just a sport. Our people use it as a medicine. Creator set this game down as entertainment to entertain the people. Creator wants you to go out there and play this game at 110%, but at the same time, no matter the outcome, what matters is when you go out there and play this game is your mindset and your energy.
1: This is the Fred Opie Show, where we share lacrosse stories and life lessons from coaches, players, parents and experts. I'm your host, Fred Opie, a former Syracuse University and U.S. national team player. Hi, this is Fred Opie. On today's show, we take a look at the movie Spirit Game Pride of a Nation. It's a documentary and it includes such luminaries as Jim Brown, Chief Orrin Lyons of the Iroquois Nation. Al Gore and coach Bill Belichick of the New England Patriots, who many in the lacrosse community should know by now is an ambassador of the game. Today we're meeting with other members of that documentary, and that is the famed Thompson brothers. I liken these guys to the Beatles, to the Jackson Five of lacrosse. These guys are, are rock stars in the game of lacrosse. And we met with them on Final Four weekend, and we talked with them about the movie, as well as the traditions they grew up in. This great movie came out on May 26th. It's in the theaters. It's a wonderful movie. And I hope that you enjoy this podcast. We go deep, folks. We talk about the movie. We talk about the political ramifications of uh, some of the laws that happened during the colonial period and the first encounters here in the Americas between Europeans and Native Americans, as well as we get into some of the experiences that the Thompson brothers uh, went through when they were growing up, living on the reservation, um, learning English for the first time, writing in English for the first time. We're going to be talking with Jerome, who was the oldest, Jeremy, second oldest. Jerome played at Onondaga Community College. Jeremy played at Onondaga Community College and went on to play at Syracuse University. And then we also have uh, Miles. Miles is the third of the four, and Miles uh, was a, a scholarship athlete, um, a Twarton-time winner with his brother, Lyle, at Albany State University. And then Lyle himself, again, won the Twarton-Twan Award two times, one with his brother and his senior year by himself. This is, I'm excited about this. It's a really good conversation where I learned a whole lot of may not be Native American but there are ways that you can honor this game if you listen carefully what they say. At the very end we get into some uh, dating and marriage politics. Something related to the experience I've seen as an African American with athletes and I ask them about their uh, marriage partners. We get into the whole discussion of gender in lacrosse from the perspective of traditional societies within the Native American communities. You guys are not only great lacrosse players, but they're also husbands and their fathers. And we cover all that in this podcast, which I think you're gonna love. I certainly love doing it. So I want to ask you about the law of discovery, which is talked about in the movie. First of all, if you can define it for our audience what the law of discovery is, and how much consciousness do your generation and younger generations have of this law of discovery? This is
0: Jeremy. The Doctrine of Discovery was created from the Vatican. Whenever they set out to discover new lands out there in the world, and when they came to here, to indigenous lands, native lands, when first contact had came, if you find any new lands, that becomes now ours, and that you could take it over no matter if there's people there, if there's anything there. We can take these lands, and it now becomes ours. You know, like in the movie, it mentions that there was already peoples here. You know, we were here as indigenous people to these lands, occupying them, that our people have struggled right from the beginning of time. And to still today, we fight that, our sovereignty um, with every nation right across North America. I find that's very important, you know, to take serious you know, to our viewers, and the world needs to know that.
1: You know, it reminds me very much of... Uh the European colonization of Africa that happens in 1885, where Europeans go to, to Berlin, Germany, they sit around the table, grab a map, and all these different empires decide what's theirs. Don't ask the Africans anything. Just, just show up and say, all right, we, this is yours, England, this is yours, France, this is yours, Port- Portugal. It really sounds like another example of white supremacy that's happened throughout history, the ideal that we decide for somebody else who exists and doesn't exist. How much? Uh, did you all know about this growing up in the schools that you went to or how much was this discussed uh, at home uh, among family members or is this something more becoming relevant now that the movie came out and raised it miles
2: you know growing up in school you know they don't tell everyone everything not everyone was educated like my parents you know my mother went to i don't even think she made it to ninth grade she dropped out and she got a job My father, he graduated high school and went straight to work. The education, you know, I would say isn't really there. You know, us growing up, learning about these different things, and that's why we're doing the things that we're doing. You know, we're making a movie, letting people know know, the truth.
1: Wow. How much do you see as your responsibility of not only spreading the game of lacrosse uh, among Native communities uh, across the world? but also the consciousness of things like the law of discovery. Yeah,
3: I think uh, educating people, especially our people, about our history is important. And I think um, it's something, you know, like he just said, not everybody knows. Not everybody is, is educated on those things, but our own people are uneducated about it. We were, and I think within our schooling systems, we're not told the truth through history books. and. Everything that's told to us about our history
1: has to come through our elders, our parents, definitely not the history book. Jerome, my oldest brother's name is Randy, named after A. Philip Randolph, who was the one who orchestrated the march on Washington. There's my middle brother, Marshall, named after Thurgood Marshall. Before we started taping, I mentioned he's the first African-American Supreme Court judge, but he was an attorney during the civil rights movement. And then there's me, Frederick Douglass, who are the names of the people in your community that you want to make sure when your kids grow up? Or if you had the chance to have more kids, you would say I would name my son after or my daughter after. Orin Lyons. Orin Lyons is
4: just a a, a great leader for for not only us, our, our whole community and our our people. Other people are 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 definitely our, our Taradahos. My great grandfather was a uh, Taradaho, but he still holds a lot. A lot that people follow. This to this day has a couple books out and leader of all the Confederacies.
1: So that's the legacy that you guys carry. That, that's heavy, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought I had some heavy names <laughs> in my family. Wow, that's serious. His name's Leon Chaneaud. Oh, Le- Leon on That my mother, she was a civil rights activist, and she took the 1968. Olympic poster where there's the three guys on the podium, the track runners. T- Moore, uh, Carlos, uh, and I can't remember if there's an Australian, there's three of these guys, and there's the black power fist. It's very symbolic that a lot of people have seen it. If you Google it, folks listening to it, you'll see this demonstration of these three guys. And they were demonstrating the fact that the United States uh, claimed to be uh, you know, the bastion of democracy during the Cold War, but uh, there was just so much... Uh, oppression going on with uh, my people and certainly with with Native people around. You now, if you guys had a poster that would be symbolic of resistance and struggle as a people, what would the poster be? I think
3: this is wild talking, but I think it's just, just the most recent thing that's happened within Native American communities that everyone, well, everyone should know about is Standing Rock. And a lot of the pictures, it's it's a similar picture of a guy holding his hand up with. A feather in his hand standing up against the pipeline yeah construction of the pipeline yeah
1: what would you want listeners particularly you know i i call myself a member of the tribe the tribe of lacrosse players and we have a huge tribe many people will hear us what would you want members of our tribe to know about that so that they have a better sense of what's going on
3: this is lyle talking well i went out there i seen it What what was going on out there? The night before I got there was the night that they got bombed with um, the bean bags and they got sprayed with fire hose or yeah, holes, water holes. It was freezing. Wow. When I got there, November, the end of November, out there it was it was freezing. Mm -hmm. Pretty flat lands out there. A woman who lost her arm. From the the back, the thing they got shot with. A lot of the little stuff that went on out there, is untold. You know, a lot of people, everyone's seeing, obviously, is just that there's Native Americans protesting to try to save their land, their water, their water supply. Fighting a fight that's a, that's something you know a lot of people should stand up for because um, it's it's a matter of money and and respecting the land we live on. I think that's what everyone there protesting was trying to do, was just trying to um, let everyone know that we're not superior to these lands. You know, we're not not more important to live on this land than, you know, the trees, the water, everything that's here, Hmm. everything that's supplying us. It's just something that's so simple, Hmm. to me anyways, and, you know, maybe that's the way I was raised. I went to college and whatnot. I learned who live in today's society, obviously, but I still live that same way, and I still carry the same you know, sacredness.
1: About how many people did you see when you went out to visit the location?
3: On all three cramp grounds, that was about 10,000 people.
1: You know, guys, I think about my own childhood, and I describe myself as uh, a young athlete who had sports in the brain, but I also had a lot of pain and I wasn't getting my ego stroked by doing well in school but I got my ego stroked by doing well in sports so it became what I went to, kind of my therapy. What were you guys like at, at 14 in terms of your academic performance and the role that, that lacrosse played in your life as, as young people? Jerome, you want to start with that one? School started out
4: as a, a struggle for us early on until 4th for fourth and fifth grade, me and Jeremy, we both learned our, uh, our native language. We didn't know how to speak or, or even write any English. In fourth and fifth grade, we moved to a public school, and that's where we started learning English. We were behind from the start. School wasn't really the, the, our strongest part, but lacrosse we excelled in, and lacrosse is what, what pretty much pushed us to, to further our education. When we got into high school, we started getting looks from colleges. Father had asked us, asked us what do we want to be when we get older. Pretty much all of us said we want to be lacrosse players. He goes, uh, well, you guys are going to be educated lacrosse players. So he really tried to push education, education on us and get us to go to college. And, and we used lacrosse as a vehicle to get there.
1: Jeremy, tell, tell me your story. I was about
0: 11, 12 years old when I first started getting into drugs and alcohol very, you know, becoming addicted to it, but at the same time, you know, having my brothers and having my family, you know, having both my parents in my life was something that was very influential for me um, to kind of stay on my path, but another thing that also helped me was across and what I knew about it. The background about, you know, that it was our people use it as a medicine and the creator, the way I understand it is the creator sent this game down as entertainment to entertain the people. And when you go out there, the Creator wants you to go out there and play this game at 110 percent. But at the same time, no matter what happens of the outcome, what matters is when you go out there and play this game is your mindset and your energy. is supposed to be strong because it's much more than that. Uh, We use it as a medicine to heal a certain person might need in their community. Mm -hmm. Or it could be a healing for the whole community just by being there and being in that presence for our, our people, um, knowing that every spring and being a part of that, and we would do this every spring to remind our players why and to also go out and have a good safe se- season because a lot of players play it in the summertime. Mm-hmm. So in the spring, obviously having that new fresh mind, having that new fresh plant life that's coming up in the springtime was also a reminder of why we're supposed to play this game. For me, knowing and having that knowledge kept me on my path when I was going through, you know, difficult times in my life. I, you know, if I didn't have those things in my life, you know, I, there was definitely a lot of chances that, you know, I might not have been, you know, sitting in this seat today uh, hmm. because of lacrosse and a strong-knit family. You know, having my parents there every second of the way, giving their time to their children was something that was very instrumental, you know, for me to continue on. It's been a vehicle for me because not a lot of our people, um, education hasn't been in the past a number one priority uh, for our people, Uh, but today in today's society I feel like more and more people are become aware of the importance of education and it's something great to see that they're avoiding staying away from Maupau and knowing that they have a gift and opportunities and they're destined to do something. Hmm. It's something special to see more and more kids do nowadays.
1: Hmm. You know, Miles, Jeremy struggle and then ultimately succeed and have an opportunity to go to play at Syracuse. How did that influence you and in your decision to go on to college? You know,
2: I see my little cousins going through it. But uh, I was lucky enough to have my two older brothers and to know what my parents went through. When I was 14 years old, I seen, you know, the struggle that they had. I seen them go up through school. They didn't uh, excel in it. So I knew that you know I wanted to focus on my education. I found out that you know they wanted to go to D1 college right from high school and what stopped them was the grades. We didn't know that you, they kept your GPA from ninth grade. We didn't know that you know you had to take SAT or ACTs in order to qualify to go to a Division one school. Um, I was lucky enough when I started ninth grade, you know i could get my grades up so it'd be easier for me to go to hmm. division one college you know they had to take the route to go to community college i'm not saying it's you know it's a bad thing but i did it <laughs> <laughs>
1: so, <I'm with> them. <laughs> our, so our stories are very similar i mean i struggled and i didn't go to Herkimer community college sorry coach where i'm sorry Herkimer, because i wanted to i had to it worked out very well but you said you learned from them so you went straight because of the lessons yeah
2: you know, I, I put the work in before so that I could go to a four-year school, Division One school, mm-hmm. right out of high school. And it's something that, you know, I thank them all the time for because, you know, I learned
1: from them. I have a theory that the youngest tend to come out the best because we're trying to keep up with the oldest. And it sounds that possibly that was your case? In many ways, academically and a- athletically? Tell me, what's the story with you, Lyle?
3: Learn learned from my brothers. The whole process of everything we've been through, has not just been a learning process for me, but my parents. Like he said, my parents were clueless about getting their kids into college, moving their kids to, we were talking about it last night, moving Miles into his dorm. Hmm. He didn't bring bed sheets. he didn't bring, you know, he thought that stuff was supplied. <laughs> but they were just that clueless about, about college. For me, my parents learned about everything, so they were kind of geared down on us a, uh, a lot more. The easiest part for me was I had the opportunity to learn from my brothers and them be on me about it and then have a partner you know i didn't really i obviously learned a lot from him but we learned together we were partners through the whole the whole process and you know when you have a partner with something as far as sitting down and doing your homework uh didn't always work that way but he'd sit down and kind of make me do my homework and i was in love with the game for me so that that was like they said same thing for them that was my vehicle but every day i'd go out i'd play lacrosse that was what i cared about and i cared about it so much that i wasn't i wasn't willing to
1: you know let education be in the way for me so when you guys go out and do your your clinics and you meet people particularly when you're on on reservations or you you have a large audience of members of the audience of being native americans are you guys strategic to talk about school and all those challenges. I'm first generation education myself. My parents, they didn't know anything about this stuff. What do you guys do? Do you think about this when you go out and talk to people to make sure they have the basic knowledge and skills that you didn't have, Jerome, when it was, you were the first one to go off and Jeremy didn't have? What?
0: Jeremy, um, typically what we do um, for camps and clinics, we st- the very first thing that we start off with um, is the history of the game. Where this game has came from, where this game has uh, come from, two, um, the importance of the lacrosse stick, um, the wooden Church of the lacrosse stick, and you know the whole significance behind that. Um, um, right from the beginning, uh, from birth, and when we pass on uh, w- this world, we continue to use that stick in the next world. And then three, finally, we just tell our story a little bit, you know, use encouraging words uh, to kids, you know, to, to stay strong, you know, encourage one another. And you know, have a good, uh, good frame of mind, and most importantly, you know, to have fun and know that each and every one of you guys are special. You guys have something special to offer to this world, and it's not only one thing; it can be two, three, four, five, six, seven things. You know, in your back pocket, and the more and more you kind of um, build on those things, um, it becomes, you know, you become a better person, not only for yourself, but that affects, you know, the people around you. It's lie It's lie yeah, I think. We
3: do touch on all those things. We touch on the drugs and alcohol because it's, it's something that affects us. It's something that affects all communities. We touch on the education because we had a chance to, to experience and these, these kids have an opportunity to learn from them. And it's, it's where, it's the direction we want our communities to go in. Because as kids for us, it wasn't a thing. College wasn't, wasn't a thing, and now, like Jeremy said earlier, they're learning more and more about it, and we want to be a part of the process as far as sports go. If you're going to use a sport as, as a vehicle, we want to make sure that, that you're ready for, for what you're going to have to go through, so we try to educate every, every kid at camps about those little things.
1: the show will be right back. For related content on negotiating the world of school and sports, visit our website at fredopi.com. Check out our podcast archive and review the show on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. The best way to support the podcast is to tell a friend, share the show on Facebook and Twitter, or send them to our website at fredopi.com. Hey listeners, if you enjoyed this interview, check out our interview with Coach Mike Messere, a member of the Lacrosse National Hall of Fame. This is Coach Messier's final year as the head lacrosse coach at West Genesee High School. He is going into retirement. Here's an excerpt from an interview that we did with him. You can find it in the Fred Opie Show archive at FredOpie.com. Go to the podcast and check out this show and others on the Fred Opie Show Archive.
5: You know, you do your schoolwork, behave yourself, be a good citizen. Attitude's got to be right. They work hard. Try to give them a little self-discipline, which is difficult.
1: Where do you spend the most time in practice?
5: Everything to do with stick skills. (laughs) Everything to do with having their sticks and passing catching and somewhat competitive, uneven type stuff. Teaching kids to slide and move. They gotta catch and throw. If they can't catch and throw, and once they drop the ball, you know, all, de- all bets are off. So they, you know, catching and throwing is, is number one. You know, then you gotta you gotta play good defense, one on one defense. Actually, shooting, I, I would say. You have to be able to score. Everybody, defenseman, offensemen. My philosophy is always been develop everybody goalie defenseman as that one outstanding attackman. They need to be have that skill of that of, of, of an attackman. You know, one-on-one defense and then ground balls. You hmm. I mean, know those those types of things. You know, it depends how if your team is good at doing something. If they're really good at ground balls, I'm going to spend a lot of time on it. The, the stick skills, no matter what, got to catch and throw, and then you know, then you can teach them.
1: For information about advertising on the show, please email us at. F-D-O-P-I-E at gmail.com. That's F-D-O-P-I-E at gmail.com. Now back to the show. I've had a lot of mentors in my life, a guy named Steve Mavis. Jerome, who have been the most important mentors for you? When I was
4: in high school, there weren't too many lacrosse players that, that went off, native lacrosse players that went off to college. Um, we just had, you could probably count them on one hand.
1: Well, one I of the ones we, I would count was my boy, Greg Tarbell. That was, yeah. he wore number seven, I wore number seven. He was nasty. I just put it out there. That, that, was he a mentor for you?
4: Um, not really. I had people like, like Brett Bucktooth, Marshall Abrams. Okay. There, there weren't too many other people who, who went out to college, but you definitely looked up to people like that to want to do what they're doing, mm-hmm. go to Syracuse and, and play in the Dome. And that's something that, that we wanted to do, well, me and Jeremy wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeremy got there. I didn't, but the grades held me back. That's definitely what, what we look to, uh, to be to, to the younger communities now. Give the kids something to look up to and,
2: and, and want to be like. I just wanted to share a little story on them and how they handle with their kids. And they're leading by example. You know, they're learning right there with their kids. A big thing that they're teaching their kids now at a young age, the oldest is, what, five years old? is they're learning our language, mm-hmm. you know, they're right there with them, you know, I see them, whatever our kids are doing, that's what they're doing, mm-hmm. and I feel like they're leading by example, so. I
3: think there's Lyle talking, I think. Lyle,
1: you have how many children? I have
3: three, three right. girls. As a parent, I mean, obviously there's a, a bunch of different ways you can, you can parent, and um, I guess to point your kids in the direction you, you want them to go in, but for me, I, I know what I've experienced and I, I know what got me to where where I've where I've been and that's passion. Um, and I think that's what I teach kids everywhere. So when I do speaking events, when we do camps, my main my main point I'm trying to get across to every kid is to find a passion for what you wanna do. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do with my kids, you know what I mean? If if my kids into you know, running, if she's into art, or whatever she's in, she's into, I'm going to do that with them, so that they grow, that passion grows, and that love grows, mm. whatever they want to wanna do. They're at a young age, but I'm finding it in them. They, they have it in themselves to, to figure out what they like, and as a parent, I'm just there to, to kind of guide them, and be there with them, mm. like my parents were for me, and I think that's the main thing, main thing I do. I'm not going to try to I guess force them into a direction where they don't want to go.
0: You know, for myself in the beginning, I was a lot more tougher on my first child than I am with, you know, how I now. We experiment now. on the like, first child, guys. yeah. <laughs> we all are
1: experiment. I know exactly what you're talking
0: about. And, you know, so for me, you know, like, 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 like I mentioned, it's. I think it's important now for me, you know, just to stay calm, yeah. and you know, because it's easy. I think it's. I think it's normal to you know get upset right away when you know, don't tell your... Your child don't don't do that you know, so now it's it's more of you know try to talk to them in a calm, sense of way, and um you know I feel like that's the best way to get through to them um you know and to whatever they're um you know destined to do and I always you know tell them that they're you know they're special you know I always tell them I love them and um you know that you know you can become something you know one of these days, you know, so I try to talk to her you know in a in in a educated way, I guess, you know, try to educate them in what I know.
1: I always say about parenting is that our parents did the best they could with what they knew. And when you know more, you should be able to do a better job parenting. So tell me, what is your guys' position on women playing lacrosse? In the way my dad
0: has taught me, uh, women in our community don't play lacrosse. Mm -hmm. Um, But my stance on it now is that um, and I respect that traditional aspect when I have to. The way I see it and the way I view it is that there's medicine in that traditional wooden stick, and that carries on, you know, to wherever you go. And, you know, it's a sport known as today, you know. So if, if my child, my girls, you know, decide to play lacrosse, you take, use it as a vehicle to go to college, you know, by all means, um, I don't want to hold them back from that. But I can tell you that she knows not to touch a wooden traditional lacrosse stick. And I think she she understands, you know, when she comes to a game that you know she's there in the audience to help, um, you know, to make the things um, because there's food prepared for it, you know, in our, in our traditional aspect with, um, you know, for the game of lacrosse we we make cookies or you know something some some sort of bread, and it's to help you know feed that 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 whole process, you know. So for me, I think she understands, you know, from that women hold that position in the traditional aspect that they they make that they prepare the foods you know for the game the men go all the, the physicality
1: come on, wrong so
0: for me no
4: i don't i don't let my daughter touch any kind of lacrostic because i just feel like it's the way i was brought up that it's 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 wrong um, so i don't i don't let her touch any kind of lacrostic whether it's a traditional one or a plastic one that just because I I feel like it still holds that that sacredness that we carry for for the game of lacrosse.
0: What?
3: It's not just the the guy's decision. Um, obviously, your wife is gonna have a huge impact on your decision, and and you know my wife, she's she don't want to play in the game, and that's the that's the way I kind of I kind of left it because of all the controversy and and where people are. Native people are saying um, the different things they say. The medicine's only in, in the wooden stick, and just don't let them touch that, you know. And I look at it and I see they're two different games. Mm-hmm. So obviously, in my in mind, I really didn't know what direction to go in as a parent. I just left it up to her, and she she views the same. I mean, she's traditional, and she want she uh, I guess respects the history of it, and they won't be playing the cross. They know not to touch. Any of my sticks, any wooden stick, mm-hmm. um, at a young age, and obviously I got sticks laying around the house, so they, they go. And as babies, my youngest one, she'll still grab my stick and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the way we were. We were kind of brought up like my sister never would never touch our sticks, my mom would never touch our sticks. Um, so right from a young age, that's
1: kind of what we seen. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to the 14 year old Who's playing the game, not from the Native American community. When playing the game, in what way can they best honor the game, this is what you could do. Miles, you want to start first?
2: First thing that came to my mind when you asked that question was have fun. We'll have a game that goes up to two that goes up to four. Four goals scored. Each team could have two and two. The game's done. And I feel like that shows, you know, you're not going out there to win. You're going out there to play the game. There's much bigger purpose than winning and losing. It's about going out there and having fun.
3: Play hard, do what you do. You know what I mean? I, I look at different players. And as a kid, I always, I always looked. My dad always told us to watch players and learn from them. Pick our favorite player and pay attention to what they're doing. Um, off ball, on ball, defense, whatever it is. So as a kid, I always looked at the players like my dad. You know, he was a hard, he was a grinder. He worked hard. He, he did, you know, all all the little things. But what he was doing was working hard. And I always kind of looked down on the other players that jog to the bench, <laughs> or um, smack talked fight. You know what I mean? But now I look at the game, and and I look at different players that that's part of their game. But they're still doing it and having fun with it. You know what I mean? I look at like players like, you know, I watch Cody Jameson, and, and he's someone who gets into little scruffy stuff of the game but he's he, he loves the game he's really passionate about it and and he's competing and I think when you see that in a player when a kids I guess it comes down to what Miles just said is you know if a kid looks like he's out there having fun and that's what he cares about that's that's the way I, I envision you know that's the way I, I want the game to be played
1: You're wrong.
4: The, the biggest part is, is respect. The way, the way we were brought up, the way we were taught, was just to, to respect the game. And not only what, the, what
1: does that mean for you, respect the game?
4: Pretty much play it with a clear mind. Um, that's, the, that's what we're taught. When, when we're given our traditional wooden stick, we're, we're, uh, that, that stick was once living. It was a tree. It's made out of a tree, hickory tree. And everything about it was living. So we respect that trick, that stick. And I bring that same thing right into the game because it's used in a game of lacrosse. So I feel like everything around the game of lacrosse and throughout life should be respected in that manner. Your opponent. Your opponent, the teammates. refs, teammates, coaches, everybody around you who's watching, the fans. So the biggest thing for me is just, is just playing with respect.
1: So if somebody cheap shots you in your tradition, I, I know what some folks would do with my tradition. in your tradition, somebody cheap shots you and respect comes in, how do you handle it? I mean, serious, this happens all the time, this kind of stuff.
4: I mean, it, it definitely does, and I've definitely been cheap-shotted a lot of times. And I mean, there's times when, when you do have enough, but I mean, most of the time, I'm pretty cool, calm, and collective about it. I mean, I just go out there and play the game.
3: That's a part of what we always say, too. You play with a clear mind. It's a part of that. I means keep your head. It means you don't play under the influence, you don't play angry. If you get hit, you get cheap shotted. You know, it's just a part of the game. So that's what we mean. We we say it to everyone and a lot of people don't understand what we mean when we say it. you play with a clear mind, you play with a lot of passion, a
0: lot of heart. That's what that's what I, I mean when I say play with a clear
1: Jeremy? Not
0: the first thing and I'm going to stick with it, and every one of these guys mentioned it, is a clear mind and have a short memory. Um, because sit, things are going to be sitting on the floor. You know, there's going, to be, there's going to be hits, there's going to be cross-tracks, there's going to be, you know, whatever the case may be, there's going to some some word might slip out. Bad and that's, call, that's just, sure. that's just the nature of, you know, what happens out there. And, and that's a tough thing on an individual. Um, you know, if something does slip out, whatever the case may be. But to have that strong mind, I think the more, you, more and more you work, as an individual and yourself to become strong and to become you know resistance of those things and you know how you can gonna retaliate right you know like you said not everybody is at that point mm-hmm. you had people that are gonna think something bad and that's that's normal right and because in, in life you have good and you have bad and it's all about trying to balance those things and so it doesn't make that person that's over here, that's leaning toward more good than any better than that person that might be struggling. So at the same time, you know, that, that's in sports. And I think you just have to leave everything out on the floor. But at the same time, have a short memory. Like, leave it on the floor. Don't, mm. don't take it out mm. outside the game. You didn't pass me. I was yeah. open. <laughs> Why did you give me the rock? <laughs> yeah. so, what's the next
1: kind of attitude? And, you know, just carry on from there. There's more to life, right, to, to continue on when i hear you guys say clear head i'm also thinking the term meekness and meekness means power under control i could hurt you but i choose not to because i have a clear head i'm going to do the right thing even if you're not doing the right thing so and the short memory that is so important with your face-off man like you or whatever you got to get next for the next play don't sit there and have a pity party move on
3: that and just what we had to go through as kids being native Uh, you know a lot of racial stuff being said at us and Especially in college and high school, end of high school.
0: Yeah. Well, even at the special stage, like I had my hair pulled and the guy was kind of, I mean he's a good guy, I mean I i don't, you he, pulled you, he, pulled he the guy? a good, good
3: lacrosse player but like it's just like,
0: good guy. Chuck, I hope we're still rolling
1: because this is interesting, for real. But there would be games where, like place at like UMass, that was a hard place to play, and we played when they were on the side of the hill and they would be two feet away from you. And you're right, people would be talking all kinds of junk but when The opponents would talk junks. I literally just like, I'm just like, look at the score. I mean, really? You can call me nigga all you want, but who's winning this game? (laughs) But you guys have, this has been a regular part, even now you're saying when you're playing, those kind of racial epithets will happen when you're playing indoor and outdoor. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah.
3: I mean, I think it's changed a lot for a better. Because of the impact we made in college on the history of the game and whatnot, maybe that's why, but I just feel like since like our last two years at college, it's gone. You know, I mean, all the racial, you know, I mean, all the little things.
1: But in high school, it sounds in like high
3: school. It was it got pretty bad. Wow. In college, there's certain places like UMass, Drexel, mm-hmm. were all
1: like really bad. But hmm. and Jerome and uh, Jeremy, you guys both played at Onondaga? Yep. Yes. Same thing. When you, you guys experience yeah. the same yeah. thing? Because I know there was some. There was some pretty uh... your alma mater, especially. Really, Hercules <laughs> was bad. <Yeah>. Wow. Well, <laughs> you know, well, you know, even here, I'm at the I'm at the semifinals for the women and men, and I'm on the sideline with my press pass. Let's be straight up. I'm the only brother on the sideline covering the. You know, it's a couple of black photographers, but when I walk out, the other media people are kind of look at me like, "Oh, uh, you in the wrong place."
0: I think it's just like Lyle said. It's becoming for the better, and I think it's just uh, um, you know, like a lack of knowledge. I think the more and more you talk about it and become aware of it, you're gonna understand it, you're gonna be more respectful toward it. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it's just something that's on a rise right now for as Native Americans in our community coming from, you know, right from going to college, getting one to get an education from it, and, you know, professional level. Yeah, it's still gonna be there, but the more and more you become educated and aware of it,
1: it's, it's something they know. Every one of you are married to a Native. In professional sports, African-Americans, most of them marry white women. Is that the case with your community? That's not an issue, it tends to be. Because I don't see pro-white athletes when they come su- become successful to decide to marry a black woman. Is that at all, I mean, does this sound strange to you? Have you guys noticed this about black athletes when they become well-known that they tend to marry white women? And that doesn't seem to be the case with, it isn't the case with any of you all, know, if you guys married outside your community, what would be the response of your families
3: that you want? It's frowned upon. Like if we date a white woman, yeah. my father, he's not supporting it. He's not, he don't want it to happen, and he'll make it
1: clear. He'll make
3: it known <laughs> that he don't want that that happen.
1: And I would imagine that as you guys are in college and doing really well, in high school doing really <laughs> well, you get what I call the touchdown girls, the girls who want the, the celebrity athletes. I think that basically comes down to
0: knowing, having pride in who you are. And I think it really comes down to, you know, where you come from and, you know, having that strength from that. And I think in our community, the way it's viewed is, once you move on, you move outside that, if you marry off within our community, you lose all your rights. Um, Because of just trying to keep, uh, trying to build a strong people, communities, nation, Mm to bringing that child back. I think they've always had to kept that right from, I'm not too sure with the dates of, you know, when that law was made, or when it was created, because I'm pretty sure it's in paper. Once you marry off, you lose your rights.
3: Women yeah. are the ones that hold the clan, so. Because you're a
0: matrilineal society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So women can,
3: if my kids, marry. Forget sugar daddy. It's sugar mama. If I, <laughs> if I marry a white woman, and my kids are half white, and they don't have a clan, they can't live on Drez.
1: Wow.
0: Basically, your identity they is can't your... go to our
3: ceremonies.
0: Basically, your identity is your clan and your Indian name that you're given and how to get that is you're given that through the woman. So if the mother's not, if she's, you know what I mean... Outside or... Outside, there? then that they, they can't be done.
1: Well, educate me. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you. I want to be uh, respectful of your time because I know you need to eat and I know you got your uh, your clinic. Chuck and John, you're like, I know he didn't go there. Yeah, he went there. (laughs) Thanks again for listening to the show. I love giving talks on the topic of school and sports. For more information, email the show at fdopie at gmail.com. Once again, that's fdopie at gmail.com. You can also contact us if you're interested in advertising on the show. The best way to support the podcast is to tell a friend. Share the show on Facebook and Twitter or send them to our website at fredopie.com. Thanks for listening and be good.